Guys, and welcome back to episode 94, I almost said 84 for some <laughs> stupid reason, 94 of the Impact Defense Podcast. Today, we're going to have Michael Mann back on, or as Jada likes to call him, Michael the Man. So, <laughs> Well, when you got a last name like that, you got to come up with some kind of nickname. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> So in this episode, uh, we are going to be talking about, or in this interview, I guess, we're going to be talking about like ways to spot a threat. You know, we've talked about that a little bit in the past in the podcast, uh, but you know, somebody with his level of expertise, I thought he was be, be a great person to kind of bring on and talk to about that. All right. Before we get into the interview, we need to, you know, have an ad. Faith. Freedom. Cars. Martial arts. Coffee. You can find t-shirts for all this stuff and more. Where can they find that, Kylie? At faithandfreedom.clothing. Oh, by the way, if you use the coupon code Impact Defense, you will get 10% off of that. Ooh. You should better use that. What was that voice? I don't know. Okay. So to get away from Kylie's voices here, let's go ahead and say faithandfreedom.clothing. All right. So uh, Jada always, like, has a hard time listening to herself in these ads. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, let's get into our interview. All right, guys, and we're going to like to welcome back Michael Mann to the podcast. Um, we had you on once before. Uh, we really, really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation that we had with you, and uh, we wanted to bring you back today and talk a little bit about spotting possible threats or predators or anything along those lines. Yeah, awesome. All right. Uh, for anybody that did not hear the last episode that you were on, could you give just a really quick little uh, introduction of yourself? Yeah, uh, I... Uh... I have a company called Michael Mann Security Services. You can go to michaelmannsecurityservices.com to see that. We do a lot of training uh, and assessment work, uh, 50% for houses of worship, 50% for large corporations and large uh, like contract security organizations, a lot of training stuff and assessment stuff for them also. Background, just Marine Corps veteran, uh, infantry and uh, fast company, uh, SWAT officer, uh, and actually technically I'm a retired police officer. I was there 12 years, started joining a pension last year. Then worked for the National Nuclear Security Administration, protecting nuclear weapons facilities for a while, and then got into commercial nuclear security as a director, developing programs. And then I just got into doing what I'm doing now, which is um, which kind of bled over into what I did for the government world, but uh, executive protection programs, uh, protection programs for like big ministries, houses of worship, et cetera. Uh, old school gunsight guy started in you know late 1980s when I was in Fast Company and have continued that. So. Anyway, so design a lot of physical security stuff uh, for people and for facilities. Yeah. So, uh, and if you have not listened to or watched the podcast with him from earlier, I would highly suggest to go back and and catch that one. Um, so, but today specifically, we want to talk about like spotting threats. And I couldn't think of anybody better to bring back on the podcast to talk about that than you. Um, so like, if if we are looking, if you're kind of just walking around in your everyday 
you know, what kind of things are you looking for if you're trying to kind of look for a threat? Yeah, so the, the process, so there's kind of two sides to this, right? There's the individual process of looking for a problem, which we would, you know, we would train like like a personal protection or like a bodyguard or EPA agent in or even a citizen. Those are the same. And then there's kind of the facility protection side, right? So I'll kind of just, um, I'll kind of try to blend both of them. But the first piece of this is there's a there's a model that everybody needs to understand first. So, yeah, the, the basic before we get into the threat detection piece and I'll go over just the basics of that or we can just talk about like just the introduction uh, is it gets into the mindset and our strategy. And that is this is for anybody. And there are three elements. And that's number one, it's awareness. Number two, it's avoidance. And then three last is always defense. And so basically that mindset tells me, number one, you know, if I'm out here walking around, I need to be aware of what's happening, not, not only just in my surroundings, but what's supposed to happen. Two is avoidance. Like if I see something that's not supposed to happen, then especially as a citizen and like if you're a bodyguard or protection agent, my job is to get my family, myself or the person I'm protecting away from that. I'm, I need to avoid conflict. So I need to. So the awareness piece helps me see it early. And then when I see it, we don't need to run to it. We need to get away from it. Yeah. We need to evacuate our family, us or somebody else we're protecting away and then the, the defense piece is always last, uh, especially for the private citizen for a couple of reasons. Number one, because we might not be successful. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's a lot of luck in that, believe mm -hmm. it or not. There's, there's skill, but there's a lot of luck in survival sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, the legal ramifications, which I know you guys teach the same thing I do. Yeah. There's all this legal stuff behind a private citizen defending themselves or someone else. And so. That, the very first part of that is understanding those three elements. And that's the way that I need to live and think about everything we're doing when we're talking about like dealing with a threat or detecting a threat. So the mindset piece, and it's just called the basic protection model is all that is. That is the model that I live by. I'm aware. I avoid. I defend always last. That's that's awesome. I like, I like that. Um, so that's the, that's the mindset piece of kind of when we're looking for something. And then... I think like spotting threats, it's pretty simple, but it's not because, you know, I, I learned this in Israel to start with. So it's, they have a very different mindset of this prevention piece and seeing something and then what they do with it. You know, we, we think differently of it here. You know, we are very responsive here because mm -hmm. we're the only gun culture in the world. We're here because yeah. of guns. You know, you yeah. go anywhere else in the world, they don't have access to things that we have access to True. and so our mindset here is very very different because we can have those um but people you know because of for numerous reasons you know going to that first or that you know responding can be very undesirable and so kind of the next piece of this really is not looking for the threat but it's the idea of understanding that something bad can happen to you right and you know and so you know there's a lot of people that would rather just think I, nothing bad is going to happen or, <laughs> you know, something we hear a lot, God's going to protect me. Well, he, yeah. if you're in his will, he will, but not in, not in the way exactly that we think of protection. Yeah. Right. And so the second piece of this, whether you're, it's an individual or it's a facility is like on the facility side, it's just a threat assessment for the individual. It's, you know what, we're, we're going to try to stay away from this idea that nothing's going to happen to us. And this is the things I probably need to worry about based on my experience. 
based on what's happened to people I know, based on what I watch on the news, based on what's happening in my neighborhood or the places that I go every day. So you've got your basic protection model. And the second piece of that is just, you know, understanding and admitting to yourself, bad things can happen as soon as I walk out of the door. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we try to get people out of the mindset of thinking that, oh, nothing, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens to other people. It's not stuff happens in movies and yeah. TV shows. Yeah. It's never going to happen to me. And, you and you're like, really? Because this situation, this situation, this situation happened within five miles of where you live. It could happen to you. That was in your home neighborhood. Yep. You know, and then I know you guys teach the same thing that, you know, the avoidance piece is also uh, really, I mean, it's, it's, it's very important because, and the understanding piece, because, there's nobody else. It's just you, right? right. If you call, if you make the decision to call and have someone else come to help you, number one, it's going to take a long time maybe for them to show up. And number two, there's very little capability for them to protect you anyway. Right. Right. I mean, by the time you, if you make a call, uh, you know, they said the national average is right around 10 minutes to actually get uh, police on scene. And we always tell everybody, cause it's really simple because you'd be called nine one one. There's an average of nine to 11 minutes. Yep. At Nashville, that response time is about not in middle Tennessee. It's like 19 minutes. Really? So now that's if they show up. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah middle Tennessee, if you're, especially if you're in Davidson County and Nashville, which I, so neither, another reason why I live about 40, 40 minutes outside of Nashville, uh, you know, so where it's, where it's quiet. Uh, it's about 19 minutes for somebody to show up if they show up. Okay. So, so you're in what County? I'm in Marshall County now, so I live in a little town called Chapel Hill, a little farming community that's oh, okay. uh, about 35 miles south of Nashville. Oh, okay. And Nashville, so is Nashville in Davidson County? Nashville's Davidson County, yeah. Oh, yeah. we're Davidson yeah. County, North Carolina, so. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that's why we, you said Davidson County was like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Na- yeah, Nashville, Metro Nashville's Davidson County, yeah. Gotcha, okay. <laughs> That threw me for a loop for a second. <laughs> okay, so how does your spotting a threat um, and like threat assessment work uh, differently according to corporation or uh... individuals? Well, he does a lot with churches, so yeah. that wouldn't be. Oh, okay. The corporations or, or churches? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So facility protection versus like the individual. Is that what you're yeah, like that? Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if I like if I do a threat assessment for a church, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a survey. And part of that survey would be yeah, I'm asked the questions, you know, what like what what happened here before? What happens nationally to churches in general? Like, you know, what are some of the threats? What are they worried about? Uh, and so I'd gather that information, put that in a document for a church or a facility. And then we would develop a threat spectrum from there based on, you know, intent, capability and frequency of something happening for the individual. It gets into you're going to get into like, what do you do for a living? You know, do you have a social media presence? Um, what type of neighborhood do you live in? What's the crime look like in the area that you live and work in every day? Um, what's happened to you in the past? Um, so those are things that I would look at for an individual to say, look, here are the, here are the, the risk factors. Here's the things that have happened or here's the indications I've picked up. You know, what's, you know, what did that intent and capability of that person that may uh, potentially could have been threatening look like and what's that frequency? So that's the way we would look at it for a person. So like, you know, again, you know, where do you live? What's your neighborhood look like? What do you involve with every day? You know, like, uh, you know, there's certain, um, 
you know, if you're, if you're involved in some sort of certain vocation that people don't like, you know, that, mm-hmm. that can bring us a, a specific risk or certain risk to you. So, uh, and then for the normal citizen, like for just, you know, people that are, you know, they work at Home Depot or whatever every day and they go to work, a big part of that's just going to be like, you know, what's the environment look like that you live and work in every day? Like, what right. does that risk look like? You know, yeah. uh, so uh, that's the difference between the two. Gotcha. Uh, so if we're talking about just a person going around day to day. Yep. Then, then what kind of things, I, well, first off, I would just want to say that I love the fact that you include like social media presence and stuff like that. What's your social media look like and stuff like that? Because that's something we try to get people to think about all the time it, because people just don't think they get, they go out there, they make stupid comments or they, they put this stuff out that, that just really makes certain groups of people really mad. And I try to get, to people say, listen, you know, sometimes that kind of stuff bleeds over into your real life. You know, yeah. it's not just somebody on the other side of the world or the other side of the country that you might be making mad. It might be something, somebody that you are in your own county or city that you're making mad. And then you look um, at their personal pages and the personal information that they've shared over here, like anybody that you've made mad on here or just anybody looking to hurt someone can follow you based on just what you have posted. Like they will know exactly where you are. They know your routines. They know where you work. They know where your kids go to school. It's like, and you've given them all of that information and then gone and made some people mad. Like that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you might as well go pick a fight with somebody and be like, okay, this is where I live. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Yeah. Which that, and that does, that leads into like what you guys are asking, like, what, what am I looking for? Yeah. And so like, like, so what you're talking about your pattern, that's the next piece of this, right? So uh, how do I spot the threat? Well, it's not, so don't look for the threat. That's kind of the mistake. Cause actually if I'm looking for a threat, I'm going to find one, but you're really not going to find it. Like there's a, like in behavior detection, there's really a high false alarm rate and low true detection rate. So there's a validation process to it. But so the first step in that is what you guys are getting into. Like, so human beings in general create patterns and we do mm-hmm. those for two reasons. One, because we're lazy inherently. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and two, there's comfort in a pattern, mm-hmm. you know, right. There's comfort in this is what I do every day. So that the, the way to really see the problem, don't go looking for the problem. The Israelis call it like separating the, like the hay, you know, the needle from the hay. Like if I'm looking for a needle in a haystack, I'm never going to find that. Right. And that's because in the inertia of every day of all the stuff that we're involved with, if I start looking for just like, like something I read on the internet to say like, Oh, if a person does this, this is what this is indicative of. Right. So right. if I'm looking for that, I'm going to find it. And then that's mm. probably not what it's going to be. Cause we're all weird. Yeah. <laughs> if I, yeah. I think I told you guys, if you followed me last time, if you follow me around for a day, you wouldn't want to talk to me. You'd be like, what is he doing? Right. So, <laughs> you know, all of us, you know, we would be yeah. people would say, so the, the first part of that is in your pattern, what's supposed to happen and what's not like if, if I don't drink coffee and if I did, it wouldn't be Starbucks, but I have been to a Starbucks to buy tea or whatever before. Yeah. So if you were to show up at the Starbucks, the closest Starbucks to you at 6am and you did that for a week and you watched, here's what you would probably see. You would probably see, you know, 80% of the same cars coming through the drive through every morning. Mm-hmm. You would see the same employees showing up at 545 to open the business. You would see them do the same thing every day before they unlock the doors. You would see the same people come in at 615, right? So they don't go through the drive through They want the personal touch of going inside. Those, that is a pattern 
of what is supposed to happen in that environment because you've done an assessment or you've analyzed that for, a, you know, a frequency or a specific, you know, piece of time, like, a, you know, right. you've done like a snapshot in time of that, right? That, so you know what's supposed to happen every day at 6 o'clock, 6.15, 5.45, whatever. When you're in that environment and something happens that's not supposed to, like you see somebody you normally don't see, you see behavior you normally don't see, you see them not unlock the door on time or you see them not set things out and you see other behavior, that tells you something now is unusual. Right. This is the avoidance piece, right? Mm -hmm. So I was aware of what was supposed to happen. And now in this environment where every day I know this is supposed to happen, something different is, is occurring this is where we start to avoid because I, I don't know if it's a threat. So we're going like from condition yellow, right? You know, we, I think we talked about the color code last time, right? You know, I'm in yellow all the time because the first part of the protection model is aware right now, what happens, I'm going into orange. Something specific has told me that something's occurred. That's not supposed to happen. And here comes the avoidance piece as a citizen. Okay. I'm just going to go back to my car. I'm going to get in it. I'm going to drive away. And maybe I just need to call the police and say, something's not right at Starbucks today. Yeah. That's the first step of finding a threat right. is, and I, and uh, you know, in some worlds we call it a pattern analysis. So mm -hmm. like in churches, I'll go in and I'll say, look, the first step, you, first step of training for you guys is number one, you need a threat assessment. And number two is you need to go out and you do need to do a pattern assessment of what happens on Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever night you guys are meeting. So don't look for what, you know, the police tell you an active shooter looks like, or some other security consultant, you see air fingers there. Yeah. Right, that tells you what this looks like. That's not the first step in this thing. The first step is understanding what's supposed to happen. Like, yeah. what does my protected environment look like? I, I like that. That is really, and I've heard that to an extent before, but it is it is a bit different, but it's very true uh, because there's a lot of people out there that love to say, well, if you see somebody doing this and this and this, that's somebody you got to watch. And yeah, it, like you said, it may just be that they're just an odd person. Um, that happens quite often, you know, uh, but like, I'm also kind of hung up on the idea. You don't drink coffee. Like you're no. <laughs> no, no, no. you're in the Marine Corps. You're a police officer. You don't drink, you know, security. I don't drink. No, I just, I don't like the taste of it. So like oh, I'd have to put, wow. I'd have to dump 200 calories of stuff in it. Right. To make it taste better. And so I just, that's just not my thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so we are, and, and it's talked about quite a bit on the podcast. We all three have coffee addictions. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But we so. work with children every day. So. <laughs> that's going to be the excuse. <laughs> yeah. And I will take it any way I can get it. I don't care if it's straight black or if it's like in ice cream. I don't care if it's, <laughs> if it's coffee tasting. I love it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, I've just, I've, I've never been a coffee drinker. So I like tea. I, I worked for a yeah. British company for a while and they taught me how to drink tea. So. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but, but in all seriousness, um, but the idea of watching those patterns seems a lot more realistic in a lot of ways, you know, uh, looking at the things that you normally see on a, just an everyday kind of thing. And then when you see those things that are very different in those moments, uh, that's the times that you need to kind of alert on. And like, we know, cause we, we see when we're just running this business, you know, the people who come in and out throughout the day, um, we're so familiar with the everyday patterns in this facility that whenever something is slightly off, it's immediately noticeable to us. 
because we're here every day. We know what's normal. Yeah. We know what's not. Uh, so anytime we've had a situation where someone comes in, they're acting uh, just different from the normal pattern where they come and they sit and they like watch the kids class instead of just filling out their paperwork. You know, we're immediately noticing that, but the parents around who aren't here as much, they just come for their child's class like once a week or so. They don't notice it. They don't see it. Um, and so that just goes with the pattern recognition of, of you have to know the pattern of the place you're in to be able to accurately assess if there is a threat. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, if you listen, so anytime there's like an active shooter event, right. And you listen to people that survived, they got away, whatever, you're always going to hear very similar stories. And those stories sound like, well, I heard a noise and I, I didn't think it was like it was supposed to happen, but I didn't know yeah. I couldn't identify with it. Or gosh, two weeks ago, that person was, do- I saw that person doing this and I didn't understand what it was. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to, I didn't want to cause a problem. Right? Right. So in every attack, there's all these indications, there's all these indicators and people actually see them. They just don't know what to do with it. You know, I spoke at yeah. uh the faith-based security network, their national conference a couple weeks ago out in uh, Missouri. And uh, they were, they had some speakers that had engaged like Jack Wilson was one guy that shot the church shooter back in mm-hmm. 19. Remember? Yep. So he spoke, you know, he spoke and I spoke on this behavior detection and how we use it in ministries and why it fits in with the church. He's up there speaking, you know, he said some things. I didn't ask any questions. You know, that was, you know, I'm not shaming or knocking anybody, but they, you know, because they didn't understand what those indications were. And they dealt with that guy, according to him, for like seven years. They knew that mm. adversary. They knew he yeah. was mentally ill. They had all these these negative pieces of contacts with him. They knew it was a problem. And that day, all these behavioral and contextual indicators were screaming. They just didn't know what to do with it. So they yeah. allow him in the protective space, and then they were forced to respond. But, you know, a couple of things that I heard him say was, like, they knew this person. They knew their environment. They right. just didn't, they really, and what, what he was saying was, well, the reason why we let him in is we, we really didn't know what to do. This was something that was, you know, we weren't sure, but these indicators were present and that's with every attack. I don't, I don't care if it's a, you know, if it's, if it's someone that, you know, a, you know, a home invasion, active shooter, sexual predator, there's all these behaviors, these behavioral and contextual, contextual indicators that are observed, but because the victims or the victim, victim or victims don't understand the pattern like they what happens is it's perceptual blindness right like they don't see it like even though they do they don't like you know the veil's there and all you gotta do is lift it up but because they don't understand or they are maybe they don't care to understand the pattern it happens yeah and then after the the uh you know after the event they go gosh i did see that we, yeah. we i saw that and i should have known right mm-hmm. i should have known i should have reported that yeah, that is, yeah, yeah. So that's this, com- you know, because patterns in life breed complacency. They do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is, it's all a mind game defense. 95% of defense is all this and just understanding. Right. And uh, so, you know, you talked about, you guys understand what the parents are supposed to do. Like when you guys are doing paperwork, when you're there, you know, that's, you know, same thing, right? So like executive protection agents, we have to do snapshot threat assessments for them. They're going to show up and do an advance of a place they've probably never seen before. So like, yeah. you know, they, they kind of have to speed through this process and try to determine what the pattern is going to be when they, when they take that protected individual in sight. But it's the same process. They're just doing it a lot quicker, right? They're just, and some of their work is guesswork, right? Yeah. But for them, they've got people 
kind of, you know, you've got people in concentric rings and you've got people there very specifically watching. Uh, whereas a citizen, a lot of times we're just by ourselves. So mm. yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. We actually, that, that was a, uh, an actual situation that she was describing right there that had, that we had happened. So we had to actually, um, force a guy to leave our facility, uh, one day because basically he just wanted to come in and sit down and refused to leave until he could talk to me. But all he was doing was sitting there watching the small kids and, um, yeah, he even came downstairs and like did a full like scan of the floor. That was when I knew something was off. <laughs> yeah. Hypervigilance, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Three types of people that are hypervigilant, predators, police officers, and protectors, right? Yeah. So what, what was he, right? Or what, what was the indication that somebody he might have been, right? Mm-hmm. But he could have just been an odd dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And that's something and that, yeah. that's something that gets me too, is we were talking about that. We don't know. I mean, he was just odd or what. But yeah, but I'm we had sure to. He was on the influence of something though. Yeah, it's, it's very possible because we found out later he'd been arrested for like drug charges and different things along mm-hmm. delays. Yeah, so we had to, uh, but we ended up having to kind of get him to go ahead and leave. And um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting situation. We had a couple parents that were kind of like really paying attention to what was going on. And yeah, oh, you know. um, it's like they may they may not have fully noticed the guy, but when they saw our behaviors change, it was different. Yeah. You know, yeah, right? Like they they noticed the difference <laughs> in us, but they didn't notice the odd guy until we had a different response. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like, once they see, like, me come upstairs and sit beside the guy and try to, like, politely suggest that he leave, <laughs> you know, they're like, well, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you yeah, know, um, for, like, an, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. We actually had um, one person who has actually been in our one of our seminars before, like, lock basically the doorway to get downstairs. Yeah, she sat in between the... We have an upstairs and a downstairs, and the downstairs is where our floor is. That's where we are now. And when I say she upstairs set herself and in the chair steps. right next to the door and would stand up and kind of almost block the view watching her kids to see if he would try to look around her to see the floor, um, which he actually did do. He was, like, visibly not happy when he couldn't see the floor anymore right um and got more aggressive and so that was interesting um she was she's very cool <laughs> we love her but <laughs> but yeah it was interesting and, to to see that happen and you know that's the difference like in this behavior threat detection so if you're an executive protection agent or like what i what i've trained church security volunteers to do with a citizen really the big part the big part of this is i'm aware of what's supposed to happen what's not I see something, I'm just going to walk away, right? Well, in the church environment, another big piece of the training for this is how to conduct that security interview. When I do see that person and I'm, I start to see these indications, so that's not supposed to happen. You know, I'm aware that's not supposed to happen. I'm seeing some nonverbal that's very strange. Now I'm going to go up and speak to that person. It takes like five, 10 seconds at the most. You got to go through that process because like, and you guys could do that there, but uh, but a citizen, really, we're not going to do that. If I go to Starbucks, right, mm-hmm. and I see something unusual that could be indicative of like a robbery or some other criminal behavior, I'm not going to go up and have an interview with a person that's acting weird, right, start asking questions. Right. I'm getting out of there, right? So for the citizen piece of this, it is, hey, I see this thing. I'm going to avoid it. Let me get out of here. I'll go get coffee somewhere else. But again, for the protection professional like you guys, you've got a facility there, a church protector, an executive protection agent. Now there's another step to this. So once right. I've identified maybe, you know, the pathway to violence, I've identified some nonverbal behavior that's not right. And the, this pattern is all messed up. 
now because they're not attacking because most of the time when they're doing this, they're not there for attack execution. They're there just trying to gather information. I'm going to go up and have a conversation with this person. And this is what that interview leads to look like for the church is different for the executive protection agent is different, you know, for the corporate security guy, the contract guard, it's a little bit different, but mm. the citizen in general, we see it, man, just get out of there. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about the coffee, go get gas somewhere else. Right. <laughs> if it's at yeah. Publix or whatever, go to Kroger, get out of there, call the police, let somebody else handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, everybody who understands actual violence and understands these things, you know, all the experts in the fields that I talk to and that we've had on the podcast says the same thing. You know, if you, if you don't have to be there, leave there, there is no, you know, honor in staying in a situation like that really. Uh, and, and that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's where I fall. It's like, if I'm, if I'm there and especially if I've got my wife and child or somebody else there with me, I'm getting them out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Unless I'm a security professional police officer, I don't need to stand there. I don't need to talk to the person. I don't need to validate what it is I'm seeing. I mm-hmm. don't need to try to de-escalate the situation, which is all part of a security interview, trying to determine and validate whether or not this is a, a threat. I don't have time to do that as a citizen. I see it, leave, go do something else, call somebody, you know, call the guy that's making 19 bucks an hour to come out there and who's miserable to deal with it. Yeah. You know, the guy in the uniform, seriously, that's what, that's what that, that is what the police are for. Yeah. To, to, to respond to what potentially may be a crime. And if that's exactly what, you know, if they have probable cause or a warrant, right. Then they have that ability to make that arrest or detain and then put that person through the system. Yeah. But, you know, our, you know, let, so call them. That's the purpose, right? It's not mm. for protection, you know, protect yourself, get out of there. You see these things to just leave and not specifically the threat, man, we can get, I can give you a list of indicators and you guys could go out today and you're going to find those indicators at oh, yeah. Home Depot, at Lowe's, <laughs> wherever, right. But that's not what they're doing. It's just, it's, you know, it's a, based on our experiences, sometimes our prejudice, right? Just, just depends on, you know, it's just true. the way we are as human beings. Right? Yeah, very true. All right. Well, we're probably, yeah, we're probably needing to wrap this up a bit. All right. Um, I think we asked you this question the last time you were on, but we ask every time. Um, but if we didn't, then she's going to ask it anyway, because she likes okay, to ask yeah. this question. Yeah. What myth about self-defense that you would just completely like to bust? <laughs> oh, what myth about self-defense? Yeah, I, and I, I don't know if I said this last time or not, but so, yeah, guns don't protect. I think, I think <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, guns do not protect. Guns are a tool of response. You need to have them. It's your right to have them, right? And you may have to use it to defend yourself because you can't avoid or you can't escape, but guns do not protect facilities. They don't protect people. Situational awareness is much more important than the gun. So that's the myth. Guns don't protect people or facilities. They're a tool. You did you did not mention that last time. And I love the fact that you said that because we we try we try we try to get that message across a lot. Yeah. And you mean, you know, we do gun reviews. We I teach concealed carry. One of the first things we say in concealed carry is that if you're here because you think you can get a gun and be safe for the rest of your life, um, you don't need to be here. Yeah. (laughs) You're in the wrong place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I love the fact that that's what you said there. (laughs) Constantly get comments on, oh, well, if that happens, I'm just going to shoot them. Those (laughs) aggravate me a little. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It's like I I just love the comments of like people ha- hearing about someone having a gun like drawn on them and like someone going for robbery. So oh, if someone does that, I'm just gonna like 
that's why I carry, you know, and over here going. So you're going to carry when someone is already point, or so you're going to like try to pull your gun when someone is already pointing a gun at you to to rob you. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, yeah. how does <laughs> two plus two does not equal three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Action always beats reaction. Exactly. Right? Always. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, that's that's the biggest myth. That's the myth that I like to bust, and I say that in every class because the first, usually in a church environment or facility environment, the first thing I teach is behavior and threat detection. And so, yeah. you know, I say, listen, I'm a gun guy, right? I've always got two on me. There's one in the car. I'm ready to go. But look, yeah. I'm the first one out of there. Yeah. You know, in in the safety brief and training, when I'm talking about, all right, guys, if there's a medical emergency, here's where the AED is. Here's where the nearest exits are. And if we got to leave, I'm the first one out. You just need to follow me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the first one out of here in an emergency. So anyway, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so very much yeah, uh, for coming you. back on the podcast. Uh, to be honest with you, I- I'd like to keep your contact information because I'd like yeah. to keep, have you back on again. We sure, always like enjoy back. talking to you. Um, because I can, we can definitely come up with reasons to talk to you again because we okay. enjoy having you on. Well, it's been a great discussion. We covered a lot of great topics and um, loved your insight. Thank you for coming back. Yep. Thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll see you later. All right, man. I appreciate it. Okay. So, like last time, I thoroughly enjoyed having him on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, yeah, he, he really, you really see his experience in this kind of stuff, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, so the idea of, instead of looking at a very particular set of behaviors, looking at patterns seems both, seems a little easier in respect, but also probably not as easy to explain. You know, and then you also still have the problem of if you are in a location where you don't know the patterns. Yeah, um, it is a little bit more difficult. Yeah, because you know you could go to some town somewhere and go like, "Oh, this is really weird." But actually, it's completely normal for that particular town. Mm-hmm. So, really quick before we head out, I am going to tell you just really fast about uh, this new like. Speaking of uh, guns, he was talking a little bit about guns there at the end and where guns are not the answer, but guns are a tool. Uh, I do have a new belt that is probably one of the most comfortable concealed carry belts I have ever used. But anyway, it's probably one of the most comfortable concealed carry belts I have ever used as far as for keeping the gun where it needs to be. And that is a We the People uh, tactical belt. And you can actually pick that up by going through our link, impactgear.live slash we the people. Um, so if you go through there, they've got holsters, they've got t-shirts. Jay, actually, don't you have a, a new t-shirt from we the people? I do. It says peace, love, and hollow points. <laughs> Makes me happy. You might want to say that again because you were way off of it. Okay. Yes, I do. It says peace, love, and hollow points, and it makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have some very interesting shirts. I think I've got one. Not I think. I know I have one. Uh, it's a great 4th of July shirt. It's got George Washington on there, and it says too cool for tyrannical rule. Um, <laughs> 
But but aside from that, I actually do have a couple of their holsters as well. I'm definitely wearing that on July 4th. You need a pair of white dad shoes to go with the shirt. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt overlay. <laughs> I do I do have some of their holsters as well. Uh, like two of their holsters, I think. Um, I like their holsters. Their holsters are really good. Uh, for me, it's... Uh, Alien Gear and We The People are probably my two favorite brands of holsters. But the belt, man, that belt uh, I just started wearing yesterday. And I am really shocked at how well that belt, like, really kind of keeps that gun in place. So, anyway, uh, I talked about that more than I meant to. Uh, www.impactgear.live slash We The People. Okay, check that out over there. All right. So, I think... Uh, we are going to finish off episode 94. Do not forget a couple of things. Uh, if you really want to help us out, you can go down to scroll to the very bottom and help fund our coffee. You can help fund our coffee habit. Michael Mann may not be a big fan of coffee, but we definitely are. Yes, we so, definitely are. <laughs> you can help us out at $4.99 a month. And like we said before, if we only have 12 people to do that, that, that would mean that we get a coffee from our local coffee house for every single episode that we recorded a month. Do we have a listen from South Dakota yet? No, I looked at that yesterday. We did oh, not. So unless the, like, the analytics are a little slow to come in, we still don't have a listener from South Dakota yet. You North Dakota people, tell your South Dakota cousins to listen to us. <laughs> Yell it over the borderline. Or, you know, maybe they could just drive down into South Dakota and listen to it while they're there. <laughs> that would also work. Does that work, or would it have to be like something like an IP address registered to South Dakota? Yeah, but if you drive down there and listen to it, well, and download it on your phone. Anyway, like forget all that. Just just get somebody in South Dakota to listen to the podcast before Jada has a conniption. Um, she still thinks that South Dakota doesn't exist. Yeah. No, South Dakota exists. She just don't think anybody lives there. <laughs> People visit South Dakota. People have moved here from South Dakota, but it's deserted now. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, if you know somebody in South Dakota, tell them, please listen to our podcast so Jada doesn't have a cow uh, before our 100th <laughs> episode. Remember, we are having that uh, review drive. So, you know, we're trying to get new reviews. So Kylie is not begging for reviews constantly. So uh, would you like to tell them about that really quick? If you are enjoying this podcast, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcast or any of your podcasting thingies. Don't they have Podcast catchers. Or wherever you, yeah, stream your But not every one of them allows a written review. That's the thing. Okay. So what should I say? (laughs) Or anywhere where you can leave a written review for the podcast. Or anywhere where you can write a written review for the podcast. But especially Apple Podcasts. But especially Apple Podcasts. Okay. So anyway, write a review, screenshot that, send it to Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at impactdefense.online. And uh, you'll be entered for a drawing on episode 101, where we will be uh, drawing for a $250 Amazon gift card that Kylie is purchasing. Apparently my, me. Yeah, that Kylie will be purchasing for the winner, and uh, we'll announce we'll be announcing you on episode one hundred and one. Bye, guys. Bye. Stay safe. See stay ya. alert. We'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye.